thanks for jumping on the stream last night. You're such oh a god. sweet bean. Oh my god. I was count I literally kind of got in the minute. So for our listeners who don't know, as of us recording this episode last night, Rowan was on Pixel Circus mm-hmm. and the show that is normally Damsels and Dice, where Disney princesses play D&D, was twisted into the villains playing. Yes, we transformed Damsels, Dice, and Everything Nice into Villains, Vice, and One Evil Night. And <laughs> we streamed to benefit Hurricane Relief in Puerto Rico. And the community showed up. They raised within over $1,600. Oh, my God. Yeah, they met our goal within 20 minutes and then um, over halved it again throughout the course of the stream, which just makes me so proud of mm-hmm. all of the people that are joining in the community, the little pickles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gets me every time. But everyone should know that – I video called Tracy doing my makeup. I was like, help me. <laughs> I had so much fun. I was like, okay, step one, here's what we're going to do. Step two, here's what we're going to do. Tracy really did do that. Everybody needs to understand. I sent Tracy a picture and was like, help, tell me how to make it happen. And she broke it down. <laughs> you looked so cool. Rowan was the queen of hearts and you had your your heart necklace that was had dripping blood into mm-hmm. your bloody corset mm-hmm. with your heart cards crown yes it was amazing and then shout out to sage as hades delightful yes uh canonically according to that stream now hades and queen of hearts have romanced one another they move over persephone (laughs) i mean what is persephone if not the queen of all of our hearts (laughs) that was so good thank you slick Happens once in a blue moon. I have a nice one-liner. You have a lot of good (laughs) one-liners. That's just because you're my friend and you inherently find me charming. I so badly wanted to be like, no, I don't, but I do. (laughs) 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 There's over 90 episodes proving that I do, so I don't even think I could have pulled that off. Do you – we used to do this so much more, Mm -hmm. but when someone – would like compliment you and I'd go, ugh, no. Or, you know, oh, like, oh, God, yes. <laughs> oh, I love your skirt. Meh, it's okay. My favorite thing <laughs> is if someone says, like, oh my God, Rowan, I love your shirt, is to lean into you and be like, they're trying to mess with you. You're better than that. Don't let them get in your head. You're smarter <laughs> than that. Don't let them get to you. Like, that's my favorite thing. <laughs> I love when you do that to me. The last time you did it to me, we were out eating, so it felt very conspiratorial. And I was like, oh my God, what if they are trying to get to me? <laughs> I just love if someone compliments me and you go, mm, you've done better. I know that's you agreeing with the compliment. Mm-hmm. It's such a weird language. Well, especially if it's like, I'm um, like, oh my God, Rowan, your Queen of Hearts look was amazing. I'll be like, meh. <laughs> She's. The Queen of Hearts every day. I don't know why that had to be so special. Ooh, ooh. Thank you. you. (laughs) Anytime. (laughs) So, hi. Yeah, uh, I'm Rowan Hall. I'm the Queen of Hearts. Tracy, what are you going to be for Halloween? Introduce yourself that way. I'm Tracy Harrison, and I'm going to be a classic hag for Halloween. So, our theme for Halloween this year is we have a theme every year for parties, and it's classic this year, whatever that means to you. And I want to go full on elementary school witch proud hag all the way 
No one can see my face, but I just dropped my jaw so far in unhinged snake style. <laughs> it's all, it's literally on the floor. Oh my god, classic hag is so good. Thank you. It was the first thing that popped into my mind when I thought when I heard the theme was classic and I said, "Don't overthink it. Go with your heart." Okay, so my first thing that I thought of, I'm not going to this party because I'm not in Pennsylvania, but I would have showed up as a classic man. You know the song, I'm a classic man. Oh uh, my god, that's <laughs> so smart. I The way people are thinking of this theme is, it, it's so clever. It's a, Casey comes up with the best themes every year. She really does. She really does. It it crushes me that I'm never home for Halloween. I know. We'll coordinate. Someday, someday I will be in LA for Halloween and celebrate it with all of you guys. And then the next year we'll like like you know it's like we're married and it's like you split the family. We'll just yeah. start doing that. I always tell people not to go to Salem at Halloween because it is really op- oppressively crowded sometimes. But yeah. I would like to come home and us to go to Salem at Halloween. You can even do it like a couple weeks in either direction if that would be easier. Mm-hmm. Just you know. a flirty few weeks later in November, mm-hmm. just a little like mm-hmm. mm, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, full aut- – I mean, that feels more true to Salem for me, the autumn energy. We should do it. All right, it's planned. Hi, this is Willing and Fable, the podcast that brings you original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating. Each week, we research a topic from history or mythology, and then we write an original story to go along with that topic. So if you'd like to support the show, think about leaving us a review. It's a really great way to help new folks find the show, and we appreciate you taking the time to spread the good word of our podcast. Rowan, I got my nails done today, Mm. and I told the lovely nail tech Jennifer, hi if you're listening, about our show, and uh, she ended up writing it down. So that was my good deed of the day for us. Hi, Jennifer. I struggle with that because I'm always towing the line of like, am I me? telling about this show that's me or am i gonna be Mm. someone else on involved with the show talking about it as if it's not me i was so shameless i was like i was telling her like i was me i mean i was me telling her about the show it all started because we she was talking about i don't remember how it started but we were talking about true crime and then i started telling her about the unknown woman of the sin um, oh, because my mom and I were sitting there and my mom was like, so why is this woman the most kissed woman in the world? I, ha- I, I, she's like, I fell asleep. I fell asleep before I heard that part of the episode and I haven't listened to it yet. And so I told her and then I was talking to the nail tech and, and I was like, okay, you have to hear about this. And then she's like, my family's going to Paris like they're right now. I have to tell them to like see if they can learn about this morgue. And it was a fun time. Ah, oh, I love when women. I oh, know. <laughs> that's so good. Oh, speaking of cool mothers. My mom, who I totally made that two-part episode for, for, called me immediately and was just being so cool. And she sent me a picture of her painting that she did of the Unknown Woman of the Sun so that I can post it on her Instagram. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see that. And then she asked me, hey, do you have a version of the story that you wrote for the first episode that I can print out so I can stick it on the back of my painting so that if I die – People will find it and find them together. And I was like, first of oh all, my God. I love the if. Second of all, <laughs> <laughs> the energy is great. <laughs> Third of all, yes, but I haven't spell checked it or checked the grammar because that's not how I, I roll. Yeah. 
So <laughs> if she dies and someone looks behind mm-hmm. that painting, they will also know that her daughter does not know the fundamentals of the Oxford comma unless she proofreads her work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, neither <laughs> neither do I, and we've done 95 episodes, so. <laughs> but also, also, speaking of cool mothers, we can talk about the sponsor of this week's episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, if you want to support another cool mother, check out Leah from Greenleaf Geek. We are fortunate enough to have Greenleaf Geek adventure calendars coming our Mm -hmm. way for the holidays, which it just feels too good to be true. Uh, It's, you know when adult you gets to do or have things that you know kid you would have absolutely just lost it to see happening? It's It's one of those moments. healing your inner child (laughs) through uh, capitalism. (laughs) Greenleaf Geek is healing our inner child, but if you want to shop Greenleaf Geek, you're supporting a small business, and that's so amazing. Yes. There are 24 compartments filled with TTRPG-themed surprises, most of which we have no idea what they are. We don't get to know until we open our very own adventure We know calendars. there's dice. We know there's dice. Uh, there's four full sets of dice and a ton of other surprises, including a one-shot that you can play. And I just saw on Greenleaf Geek's Twitter that there is a sale on the adventure mm-hmm. calendars. Grab it while you can, $10 off sale. So uh, check out Greenleaf Geek on Twitter and anywhere you follow on social media. And we have a special coupon code for the holidays. It's Fable Advent. That's F-A-B-L-E-A-D-V-E-N-T. No spaces for $5 off your order. And when you shop the rest of your store, you can still use the code Fable. That's F-A-B-L-E for 10% off your order. Some restrictions apply. Get the rainbow dragon scale rolling mat, if that's still on there, for the record. Oh, my God. It's one of my favorite things that I own. (laughs) Every day, I stray further and further away from the sanity of my wallet and towards more D&D merch. I, yeah, I always swore to myself when I first started, you know, you know, you have dice and then you start buying dice. I swore I would never be one of those people that had too many dice, but- uh, I know. I am certainly I am. trying. All of our friends have cool dices, and the, the greedy dragon in me also wants the shiny cool dice. I love it, though, when everybody is at the table and they all just kind of pour out their dice. And then when one is just rolling really well, you pass that one around. Or you say, you know, I'm trying to roll for murder, so you pick the murderiest looking dice mm, on the table, mm-hmm. even if they're not yours. Or I just really love that fun of it and i play virtually a lot and i Mm -hmm. i'm at some tables where they only roll virtually there's this whole like transparency like everyone has to see it i'm like nah i'll sit here on my camera rolling my own dice and -hmm. if you don't trust me that sounds like a you problem uh because i have Handmade for me by Leah Dice. Same. I bring mine to every (laughs) session. And then I never get to be the one to roll them because everyone gets excited about them. Okay, listen. (laughs) I will not be called out on my own (laughs) podcast. No, it's not just you. It's not just you because when you're virtual, I usually give them to our our, our resident rogue, Taylor Ash, who wrote all the music for our podcast. Um, They do really well for her, and she's kind of had this, like, emotional connection to them that Mm. seems to still be thriving. So I'm like, you know what? You're doing well with these. We're going to let these be, like, your moment. My favorite thing is to pretend I'm 
like in Vegas gambling like a hot one of those hotshot guys and have the person next to me like blow on my dice oh, be like on had me do, do it for luck uh yeah. <laughs> i love that <laughs> i don't know why i find it so funny oh it's amazing it's a good goof hey hold on we're we're getting falling down the D rabbit hole uh of course what's going on with this episode and why is it different than any other episode we have done to date <laughs> <laughs> okay so this episode is another variety show, uh, very similar to what we did last week, except I got to focus on castles from around the world. But the difference is, we tag team this episode in a way we haven't done before. I did all the research. And I wrote the story. And that is because <laughs> <laughs> when Tracy was telling me about this, I was like, oh, I have this really cool idea for a story. And then and she I, said- well, And I was like, I don't. I have my brain empty. Thoughts, none. And so I was like, you know- this is a unique situation where you don't have to do the research to understand enough to tell mm-hmm. the story. Mm-hmm. And I said, pretty please? Ooh-woo. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh-woo, pretty please? Can you? And so we that was a really fun way to collab, and it made it like, I don't know, for me, it's, I don't know what your story is. I haven't read it yet because – You really don't know because um, fun – secret reveal the story that i told you i was gonna write is not what i wrote because i was hanging out with kaylee the other day and i told her this entire story and thinking she was anticipating what i was about to say like in on the the goof she said oh you're gonna do this this and this and i went well wait hold on (laughs) that's better than what i was gonna do and she went write it rowan i was like well i can't Mm -hmm. because she's like rowan write it (laughs) that's why we love kaylee (laughs) So haunted castles. (laughs) Are you ready to dive into our first castle? Yes. Okay. I know you've been to this country. I don't know if you've been to this castle. Super no, because the only time I've been to this country was to make a film. And so the only thing I did while I was there was land, sleep, make a film, and fly out. Fair. Okay. Well, the next time you're there for non-film related reasons, you should check out Leap Castle in Ireland. Oh, it's pretty. Yeah, this is our most run down of the castles today. Okay, it's not – she's not run down. She just needs a nap and some moisturizer. God. Talk about the castle, not me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so she does need mm-hmm. a little moisturizer. Uh, this castle is – the photograph is awesome. You can tell the the – contrast has been upped a little some effects mm-hmm. have been done but it's kind of looking up the sky is stormy the stone is gray and in parts it looks like um i i don't want to say it was like dressed with concrete but parts of it look more recently addressed by a mason mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. parts of it look like they might be crumbling in the not yeah. too distant future it's got the classic It's not a full tall tower, but kind of a central tower with the little Mm -hmm. uh, square cutouts that you see on little lads who are wearing tights in medieval musicals. There's gothic arches, so they're Mm -hmm. pointed at the top. You can see directly through one of them. Presumably, there might be a courtyard. It it looks like it should have a white lady in it, you know, that kind of ghost. Yes. Yeah. So the main tower that you're looking at was built – probably sometime around 1250 AD, by the O'Bannon clan. And they were the secondary chieftains of the territory and were subject to the ruling O'Carroll clan. Interesting. hmm 
There's evidence that this castle was constructed on the same site as another ancient stone structure that was probably ceremonial in nature, which is archaeologists' way of saying, we don't really know what it was for. Uh, that area has been occupied consistently since at least the Iron Age, which is 500 BCE, and possibly even since Neolithic times. So we got some history. That's awesome. There is so much history in Ireland, Wales, Scotland, North Ireland that people don't realize is very separate from mm -hmm. what our understanding of the UK is today. Yes. Not the least reason being some of those places are not located in the UK. <laughs> yes. So let's dive into some of the bloody history of this castle. In 1513, the Earl of Kildare, Gerald Fitzgerald. Stop it. <laughs> it's his name. No. Gerald it's Fitzgerald. It's so funny when you said O'Carroll. I was like, wouldn't it be funny to be Carol O'Carroll? You did it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't do it. This is another history delivered moment. Thanks, Gerald. Thanks, Gerald. So he is, it's 1513. He's the Earl of Kildare, and he tried unsuccessfully to seize the castle. And then three years later, he attacked again, and he managed to partially demolish the castle. So he's done some damage. Nearly 10 years later, following the death of Mulrooney O'Carroll in 1532, family struggles plagued the O'Carroll clan. A fierce rivalry for the leadership erupted within the family. And this bitter fight for power turned brother against brother, and one of the brothers was a priest. While he was holding mass for a group of his family in what is now called the Bloody Chapel, his rival brother burst into the chapel and plunged a sword into him and fatally wounded the priest. The butchered priest fell across the altar and died in front of his family. Oh, it's so punk rock. It's brutal. It's like you can see this in a in a Netflix show. Oh, and the the, the you get the close-up shot of the blood dripping off the altar and then running into the cracks in the stone and then you cut to the future. Yeah. <sighs> well, and we're going to do that. Nearly 130 years later, during the tenure <laughs> of Jonathan Charles Darby, who was the now owner at the time, they held séances in the castle by his wife, Mildred Darby, who was also a writer of gothic novels. This led to publicity about the castle and its ghosts. The central keep was later expanded with significant extensions, but in order to pay for these, rents were raised and much of the land accompanying the castle was sold. And that's one theorized motivation for the burning of the castle during the Irish Civil War in 1922, another theory being that the castle held a lot of bad memories and associations for the local Irish population. TV shows including Scariest Places on Earth, Most Haunted, Ghost Hunters International, and my personal favorite indulgence, Ghost Adventures, <laughs> have featured Leap Castle on numerous occasions. Okay, so get ready for this. Mm -hmm. During renovation of the castle in the 1900s, workers found an oubliette behind a wall in the chapel. An oubliette, which I did not know what this was, mm -hmm. is a secret dungeon with access only through a trap door in its ceiling. No, oh, I didn't know it had to be secret. Okay, well, am I, when I googled define oubliette, that's what came up. No, I love it. I just, I knew the bit about the ceiling, but I didn't know. Like, if anyone knows about this, we can't call it an oubliette anymore, so you can't tell anyone. Pinky promise. Don't say anything. Here's my thing. Oubliette is such a sweet little word. Like, an oubliette sounds like it should be a delicious little treat you get at a bakery. 
like a tiny little treat. Like a little macaron that you can squish. Yes. Yes, yes. Like a squishy a squishy macaron should be an oubliette. Not a dungeon. Uh, a ceiling dungeon. Mm-hmm. Well, With a trap a, door. A, a door through the ceiling dungeon. Mm-hmm. At the bottom of the shaft of this oubliette were many human skeletons amassed on wooden spikes. Wait, for real? Yes. For real, for real? Oh, for real. When cleaned out, it took three cartloads. Three cartloads to remove the bones. That's so cool. Bad, but cool. I mean, it's it's bad, but like... <sighs> so today, the dungeon's now covered over to keep people away from it. It's believed that the O'Carrolls would drop guests through the trap door to be impaled on the spikes eight feet below. A small gold pocket watch was found at the same time, dating from around the mid-1800s, which shows us how recently this oubliette was still used. I love it. So much. When are we going? But if it's closed up, then you can't be like, if you want to be in our cool paranormal society, you have to sleep by yourself downstairs in the haunted oubliette. (laughs) Yeah, you can't do that, unfortunately. Also, I think there might still be spikes down there. Yeah. So. That's how we know that you're for real, for real. God, remind me not to join your paranormal society. (laughs) Or at least found it with you so I can get out of the hazing. Right. Yeah, you're in. Yeah. So you mentioned a white ghost, but the ghost most often described at this castle is a red lady ghost, who, you're going to love this, is reported to walk the halls holding a dagger. I love her. She's perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. There are two little girls named Charlotte and Emily who are reported to run up and down the spiral staircase. It's said that Emily died after she fell from the battlements on top of the castle's tower, Oof. and Charlotte can still be seen running around after her sister and calling her name. Oof. Lastly, there is a sinister elemental spirit simply referred to as It. The creature is described by Mildred Darby as being about the size of a sheep with a human face, black holes for eyes, and a nose, and giving off the smell of rotting corpses. What? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is my favorite so far in our haunted anything. I These castles delivered in a way that a haunted hotel in America never can. Do you remember when we were like, <laughs> California thinks it's old, we have a cracked bell. <laughs> we're like, Pennsylvania is laughing at you, California, and now Ireland's laughing at Pennsylvania. Oh, that's so cool. If any of our listeners in Ireland... Have an inn to sleep in the oubliette, please. Yes. Let us know. (laughs) I'll do it. Okay, so aesthetically, this next castle, I think, is my favorite. This is Berg Elts in Germany, otherwise known as Castle Elts. So I have traveled in Germany a pace, Mm -hmm. a bit, and this has the quintessential German castle look to me. I know, listen, I know there's a ton of variety, not the least reason being, Germany's very old. Mm-hmm. But the this castle is one of the ones you see on kind of the drone shots of Germany mm-hmm. all the time or the, the postcards. It is so aggressively square and vertical, just so much vertical reach until you get to the top where it has lots of little ice cream cones on the top. Yes. It is just situated on this hill surrounded by nothing but green trees. 
Yeah, the 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 forests in Germany. I mean, Black Forest Cake, rightfully it, named. There's a reason. But, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. So this is a medieval castle nestled in the hills above the Moselle between Koblenz and Trier, Germany. Apologies for my German. It's on a 70-meter or 230-foot rock spur on what was once an important Roman trade route between the rich farmlands and their markets. So the way it looks in this picture where it is sitting on this, like, rock spur in the middle of a forest is really what it looks like. Oh, my God. It has this, like, stone bridge leading up to it. Mm-hmm. The Elts Forest has been declared a nature reserve by Flora, Fauna, Habitat, and Natura 2000. The castle was originally a manor built in the 9th century, and it's still owned by a branch of the same family, the Elts family, that lived there in the 12th century, 33 generations ago. Shout out to that family for holding on to the castle. Yeah. Berg Els is what is known as a Gannerbenberg, a castle divided in several parts which belonged to different branches of the family. All parts of the family owned their area of the building of the castle, but all of them together shared the defensive fortification. Interesting. Berg Els was resided by three family branches. But now let's dive into the dark history that haunts the castle. Agnes Elts was the daughter of the 15th Count of Elts and was raised with brothers only. She was raised often playing warrior with her brothers and grew to be an outspoken young woman. When she was of age, Agnes was promised to the Knight of Bronzeburg, and the two met occasionally to get to know each other. Supposedly, Agnes had a strong dislike for the knight and either ignored him or was unhappy to be in his presence. The knight, furious at her indifference, made an unwanted advance on Agnes, attempting to force her into a kiss. Agnes got so angry that she smacked him across the face, and the knight of Bronzeburg was so enraged that he fled the castle. The family was afraid that he would be out for revenge, so they doubled the guards just to be safe. And days went by, and then weeks and months, and nothing happened. So the Elts family let their guard down, and all the men went on a three-day hunting trip, assuming the Knight of Bronzeburg had just lost interest. They were wrong, because that was what the Knight had been waiting for, and he attacked the castle when they were away. The guards at the gate were murdered, and the Knight and his troops entered the castle's courtyard, killing everyone who was in their way. He rampaged his way through the castle, all while the men and soldiers came out to fight, and Agnes herself donned a suit of armor and joined the men in the fray. Yes! <laughs> when Agnes, disguised by armor, came upon Bronzeburg, he shot the knight up close with a crossbow and the <gasps> arrow penetrated the armor, killing the brave knight instantly. Agnes died there in front of her betrothed, and it is said the castle is now haunted by the pair. Oh, lady knight! I know, tragic Lady Night. Lady Night Ghost. Lady Night Ghost. That is who haunts this amazing, uh, gorgeous castle. Do you think ghost knights make little chicken chicken sounds when they walk? I hope so. I like hope if they have the energy for yeah, instead of like the footsteps, jangling and stuff, the chains. It's so much better. That's so good. It's sad. Of course. But a different story. It's not the story, you know, we love a good woman in white story, one in red, wandering the halls, all of that. But this is like, you don't get lady night ghosts very often. So the castle is haunted by the two of them, but they're enemies. Mm Mm-hmm. 
it's said, like, there are some versions of it that's, like, some versions got wild. Some versions were, like, the beloved pair, like, acted like they loved each other, but then it's very expressly said many times they didn't like each other. It's said that he was kind of haunted by her spirit and then went crazy. There are some that said he is eternally seeking um, forgiveness from her. Like, there's just all these different reasons the pair of them are said to be there. And every story you find will give you a different reason why they're both there. I want him to storm the castle every night and her to defend it. I want that too. Ooh, I want that too. Ooh, that's good. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So it's said that the most haunted room at the castle is the Countess Room, the room which belonged to Agnes. The armor in which she died and the battle axe that she used are also in there. And according to staff, Agnes haunts the hallway as well, switching lights on and off and opening and closing doors. And there are also some claims that a medieval phantom knight on horseback stays at the gate. Some believe it is Agnes's betrothed looking for forgiveness. Okay, what if this one's my favorite now? <laughs> I know! <laughs> this episode was so much fun! I, I, this was... Listen, I love Haunted America. We love talking about the ghosts there. But you can't... Ooh, we don't have, we don't have lady knights running around. Would this be a good time to remind everyone that we are Lady and Lady of Glencoe? <laughs> oh, it's a great time. I Fun fact, Rowan, um, for my work calls, the only thing hanging behind me is a framed picture of Our Lady and Lady of Glencoe. <laughs> and because it's far enough behind me on work calls, people, I think, just assume it's like my degree, like a certificate, like my degree from college or something. And it's not. It is uh, a title for Lady and Lady of Glencoe. That is so awesome. (laughs) Shout out to Highland Titles for finding a really fun way to raise money to protect land. Right? Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Okay, so this next place we're going to is really close with my favorite because of the architecture of the castle. We're heading over to Slovenia to Prejama Castle. Whoa! Prejama Castle is a Renaissance castle built within a cave mouth in south-central Slovenia in the village of Prejama. Rowan, why don't you describe this castle real quick? It's built into a cave, mm-hmm. sort of. It looks like the cave-ish thing was either carved out by nature or by humans, but it's like a, a cliff face with a little any spot with a mm-hmm. castle nestled right in, and the castle is curving with the arc of the stone. The castle is white, White in the way that stone uh, can be white, not white in the way stucco can be white. Yes. And it looks like three stories on the front face that we can see with a blackish, grayish set of sloping roofs. It looks super modernish to me, to my eyes. Like, it just has a really modern feel like if you said that was a hotel that was built to look Mm -hmm. older i would buy it and this place is old old so before the castle was even built the cave itself was home to people during the paleolithic era and it's the second largest cave in slovenia but this castle which was originally named castle lug or lug um was first mentioned in 1274 and it was probably built in the 12th century so sometime in the 1100s what I know. For it to look the way it does, it does have a very clean, modern look to it. It is hundreds of years old. I wonder how much restoration work has had to be done over it over the course of its life. I imagine so much because it looks great. The castle became known as the seat of the Knight Erasmus of Lug, 
lord of the castle in the 15th century and a renowned robber baron, aka a person who has become rich through ruthless and unscrupulous business practices. Oh, let's bring back robber baron. Right? <laughs> Sign me up. Uh, although to I'm way too one? lawful good. Yeah, I'm way too lawful good. So you know what? Never mind. <laughs> Did everyone just watch Tracy commit to becoming a capitalist overlord and then yeeting out within the same second? Listen, it's more of the like fun highway robber. Let me pretend to be that. The same way people tend to be pirates, like that energy. Yeah, the same way I want to be a cat burglar. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so according to legend, Erasmus came into conflict with the Habsburgs when he killed the commander of the Imperial Army, Marshal Pappenheim, who had offended the honor of Erasmus's deceased friend. Fleeing the vengeance of the Holy Roman Emperor, Frederick III, Erasmus reached the family fortress of Prajama. From there, he allied himself with King Matthias Corvinus and began to attack Habsburg estates and towns. The Habsburgs conducted a siege and were convinced Erasmus wouldn't last long. They had even poisoned the water wells. Ooh, that'll usually do it. It usually would, but strangely, Erasmus was able to remain safe and sound for over a year. Because he was a vampire? Sorry, God. I'm sorry. That would be good. That would be such a good <laughs> twist for this story. But no, unfortunately, it's thanks to the large vertical natural shafts behind the castle leading out into the open air on the other side of the mountain. Oh. He was able to sneak in and out without being seen, and finally, eventually... He was killed after a long siege, and according to a popular but unfounded legend, Erasmus was betrayed by one of his men and was killed by a shot from a cannon in his lavatory. Um, so it's a fun story to tell that he died while on the toilet, but it's probably not true. Yeah. So I have a print here that is an 1816 lithography of the castle by Carl Friedrich Schinkel. It's really funny. Uh, the... The cave structure saving him is actually objectively cooler than a vampire. Uh, is it? Is in it this scenario, cooler than a vampire? It's really cool. It's good castle creation to have an out because a castle is a prison as soon as forces lock you in and you don't have access to food or water. Mm -hmm. So this lithograph is beautiful it's sepia toned the there's very fine line work we're getting some distance on the castle and it looks massive from far away mm -hmm. because the mountain is huge and it's kind of like peeking out of the mountain mm -hmm. it it looks very like tolkien kind of yeah, how people it does. nestle the elven castles and the dwarven architecture into the, the environment. Mm -hmm. And yes. underneath there is what appears to be the beginnings of a village. Mm -hmm. The fiefdom? <laughs> I don't know. The I'm place where sure. the people who work in the castle live. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you can see some kind of thatched looking roofs down at the bottom. And a river. Mm -hmm. So how are you? Yeah, there's river water if you can just get to it. Right, right. And instead they were able to go out, go out the back and just sneak out. According to a website called This Little Shop of Horrors, which had great information on a number of today's castles, this castle has been investigated by several paranormal teams and programs. <laughs> I thought you said paranormal teens. <laughs> oh, better. Better than teams? Why have a team when you can just be teens? <laughs> I thought it was like a kids on bikes adventure. Oh, 
<laughs> now everything I say is going to be worse because it's not a bunch of scrappy teens. No I'm so sorry. <laughs> I really did think it was like Scooby-Doo Mystery Machine. God. Amazing. Amazing. I wish it was. But unfortunately, it's not. Although, based on the reports of some psychics, it's been said the ghost of Erasmus still haunts the castle looking for revenge. In 2008, Ghost Hunters International paid a visit to the castle, and paranormal evidence was found both inside the castle and in the caves behind it. Footsteps and voices are heard all around. The caves underneath the castle are mineral caves with quartz and iron, and supposedly these minerals store energy like large batteries, and paranormal energy just loves that. Some say the captured souls of the people who got locked out during the 1511 earthquake are still down there trying to get out. Okay. <laughs> Ron and I are like, ghost this, ghost that, are both like, mm. <laughs> all right. <laughs> like, where, where do we draw the line? <laughs> Listen, the funny thing is, I'm a crystal bitch. Like, I have so many know, rocks. me too. Me too. And I'll put a rock in my pocket and be like, this is going to make my day better because of whatever. I, it's so funny. I will buy it in the spicy psychology way that everybody yes. talks about. All, and yes. I, and I will buy it. I will be like, this rose quartz, love, self, I don't know, whatever. But as soon as it's larger scale, for some reason, as soon as it's like, well, the iron deposits combined with the quartz grade metaphysical battery that attracts spirits from the nether regions to come here. No. <laughs> Why is that my line? Couldn't I don't know, you. but it's it's same for me. I I think I'm into the witchy stuff in the spicy psychology. Like like witchcraft really is just spicy mindfulness for me personally. And then when you try to extract it to the broader world and explain away things, although you and I are also both like, yay, ghosts, ghost this, ghost that, and then also like, I'm the first person if like something spooky happens happens in my house, I find any reason to explain it away. Like I don't jump to ghost. I think it's purely subjective on my part. Like, y'all, I have moon water over my sink because it is as equally as useful as tap water for me. Like, there are rocks everywhere in my house. We got so many bones, Ouija boards. Like, these yeah. are items of use. And yet, as soon as they said that, I was like, <laughs> no, fakers. What? Like, why? <laughs> Your moon water reminded me I have to put my dice out the next new moon. Get them rolling better again. I also Which, like, need again, I'm like, to do that. Where is our line? Even we don't know, you guys. We don't know where our line is, but it, it's there, and we do find it. Put pictures of people in the freezer. Um. Put dice in the freezer to also get them to behave better. <laughs> Y'all, uh, <laughs> we love research. We love facts. I guess, sort of. What we tell you in these episodes, we've researched. We can promise that. Moon water, that's just for us. Yeah. Okay, you ready to travel over to Japan? Yes, look at this. Yes, so this is Himeji Castle in Japan. So go on, like, dive into it. Explain what this looks like. First of all, whoever took this photo, I see you, using the leaves of the tree in the upper left corner to uh -huh. kind of frame the image and give it some mm -hmm. scale. Oh my goodness. So this is clearly taken from lower than the castle. And it is on one portion of it. It looks like it might be kind of L-shaped, at least from this angle. I can't see what's going on with the other side of the castle. But on one wing, it's mostly 
two stories of white on top of stone, mm-hmm. but then there's these extra little towers. And then on the other side, it's five stories with these beautiful little classic architecture peaked roofs with the little mm-hmm. upturned corners. But it's this pristine kind of white sitting on top of these layers of golden stone. Mm-hmm. And it's also just nestled in the trees in the way that the German castle also just looked nestled in the environment. You described it perfectly because this castle is also known as the Heron for the fact that it has a white facade and sits atop a hill overlooking the city of Hyogo. That's awesome. Himeji Castle is the largest and most visited castle in Japan, and it was registered in 1993 as one of the first UNESCO World Heritage Sites in the country. That's late. I know. It's really late, especially because this castle was from the 14th century. This famous tourist destination is loved by both fans of history and fans of the paranormal. Oh, wait, that's us. (laughs) Yes, it is. This castle, Rowan, is inspiration for the Japanese horror film Ringu, which inspired The Ring. Nuh-uh, nuh-uh. Mm-hmm. We'll get into it. Himeji Castle was constructed in 1333 as part of a defensive fort commanded by Akamatsu Sadanori, whose father was a samurai and governor of the territory. As with most ancient castles in Japan, Himeji had many owners. There is, however, one particularly famous ghost story related to the castle. According to the book Himeji Castle, Japan's Samurai Past, there's a disputed claim that the castle is the bona fide location of this entire legend, or if it's somewhere else, possibly in Tokyo, but this castle is the home of Okiku's Well, which is the source of our story today. We really should do an episode covering some of the history and mythology around samurai, because I really don't know very much about it. Yeah, I know a little bit more about the the history of the samurai because I fell down the rabbit hole. So the guy who created the History of Everything, History of Everything, I guess, video did one that was just the history of Japan. Mm. And it's very entertaining and it's very detailed. But I would love to dive into the history of samurai and, and, and just the history of Japan. But for today's story... Okiku's well, similar to the doll, o- Okiku. Same name, not related to the doll. Okay. Yeah, I checked. I was like, wait a minute. But no, this is this is a story that takes place in well back in history during the castle's prime. And in the story, or in the history, Okiku was a servant, and she worked in one of the dungeons at the bottom of one of the four guard towers. Her dungeon is believed to have been the one furthest down the mountain. Her master was a successful samurai named Tessin Aoyama, whose wife had gathered ten expensive Dutch golden plates. A lot of Okiku's duties involved looking after these plates in the area called the Plate Mansion. Mm. Tessin, however, was not loyal to his wife and had taken a liking to Okiku. Eventually, in secret, he asked her to become his mistress, saying that he would leave his wife. Okiku, however, showed no interest in Tessin, and so she respectfully said no. Her master decided to accuse her of stealing the golden plates and promised that if she agreed to be with him, that he would drop the accusations. Still, Okiku refused him, so in a fit of rage, he had her thrown down the well and killed. This gruesome death led her spirit to allegedly haunt the castle grounds every night, ultimately driving Tessin into madness. 
Some say they can still hear the sounds of plates being thrown around or even down into the well. And this is the tale that later spawned the 1998 Japanese film Ringu, in which an evil spirit crawls out of a well to haunt unlucky trespassers, and that film would go on to inspire The Ring. On TikTok, actually, recently, lately, I've heard a lot of people say, if you like The Ring, please go watch the film that inspired it. Mm Because I didn't even know there was a a film pre-The Ring. I didn't either, but that's not surprising because I don't do horror movies as much, so... Right. And also a lot of famous American horror films were inspired by Japanese horror. Most. I would I would argue most. There is something distinctly terrifying about old wells. Interesting. I don't know that I've found I don't know that I find that to be not true, but I don't know that I'm around old wells enough to really even have an opinion. I can't believe I'm going to drop on a podcast like, ah, yes, I have experienced enough old wells to know for sure that this is true. But in my experience, of multiple old wells. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can see it. It's dark. You can imagine something crawling up out of it from mm-hmm. the deep depth of the darkness. It makes sense. And also to get stuck down a well. Ugh, nightmare. Yeah. And there are so many stories about children, Batman, I think, being one of them. Doesn't Batman get chucked down a well when he's a kid and that's how he fears the bats? No. And then goes into a cave? Come on, I swear, in the one with Michael Caine. Oh, okay, I was thinking the comics. It's different in the comics. Listen, you are a classy superhero consumer. I am the mm. trickle-down, last-person-to-know-anything <laughs> movie superhero consumer. Listen, DC is not my bag, so I don't really know that much um, when it comes to DC, but I, I do know the origins of Batman. That is one thing I do know. Okay, so I swear, in the beginning Batman with the Michael Caine and I so believe what's it. his name who does the voice, that's silly. But he doesn't have nipples. That Batman. He was thrown down a well when he was a kid. Christian Bale? Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. So back to, back to the Meiji Castle. The last thing we're going to talk about with this castle is that there is another entity that supposedly resides there. And this is said to be the yokai or spirit. We've talked about yokai in many of our episodes known as Osaka Bahime. Many of you might have heard that name in video games because when I tried to look up this yokai, it was like... There's a video game that this character's in, but our yokai in this story lives in the castle tower and avoids humans because she hates them. Mm -hmm. In some legends, she takes the form of an old woman and in others, the form of a woman in her 30s, which honestly, like, (laughs) goals. (laughs) Same thing, I guess, depending on (laughs) social media's tack at the time. Yeah. She appears in a ceremonial 12-layer kimono, and she can read human minds and control lesser animal-like yokai. We're only four castles in, and every time I'm like, but what if this one's my favorite? <laughs> I know, I know. We're heading over to our last castle, which is Chillingham Castle in England. I find the fountain very disconcerting. It looks gross, doesn't it's it? It's just a fountain. <laughs> Because this castle is beautiful, and I tried to find other pictures, but weirdly, this is one of the nicer pictures, and the fountain, it tricked me. I forgot about the fountain in this picture, to be honest. It looks grody. It, it, it doesn't look clean. 
The fountain's brown on the bottom, probably because it's stone, because all the stone that makes up the fountain is brown. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why. Because uh, why would you take a picture if the fountain's not as clean as it could possibly be? But also, my room this is the same God, scenario. Same, yes. But the, there's a bird in the fountain right in the like left third of this picture that's just spitting up water. We which should is, say it's a statue. It is a statue of a bird. Yeah, sorry, right. It's a stone <laughs> bird. Um, that kind of thing is only appealing from a distance. Mm. Up close is a bird spitting up water. <laughs> <laughs> but in the background, it's a classic castle. I'm, I've seen a lot of this kind of vibe of castle that people are building on Minecraft. Yes. I know a lot, people build all sorts of things on Minecraft, but uh, so it's classic boxy castle, four stories, glass windows, little dividers, uh, golden, mostly brownish stone. Mm-hmm. And then at the top, it has the things that I described previously as little medieval boy skirt cutouts. Mm-hmm. That I think I can hear my father screaming at the podcast. I think they're called Krennels. And I think he's taught me that. And I'm so sorry. I was going to very <laughs> confidently say either battlements or parapet. Parapets? Yeah. Parapets? Yes. I think <laughs> I think you're correct. It's battlement. <laughs> then the top section of wall is a parapet on a battlement. And then the cutouts in the parapet. Are the this is crennels. how you can tell that Rowan and I study and research the history of people and not the history of like wars or anything like that because we don't know any of these defense terms. This is how you can tell that Tracy and I research because if we don't research, we don't know. We don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so the website Little House of Horrors describes our last location thusly. Quote, Chillingham Castle is said to be the most haunted castle in England. More than 100 ghosts are said to haunt it. 100 ghosts? Uh-huh. It was built as a monastery before 1246 and later transformed into a castle. You'll find the castle in Northumberland, near the Scottish border. King Edward I used the castle as an accommodation in 1298 when he headed for his fight with William Braveheart Wallace. It's a place of war, torture, and death. End quote. A hundred ghosts. A hun- supposedly a hundred ghosts. I, you'll see. So I actually took directly from their website where they have a section called Meet the Ghosts. So I, <gasps> I talked about the ones that they listed, but there are apparently like approximately, I don't know, 95, 96 more ghosts that can be talked about at this place. I have been to Northumberland and I can easily imagine visiting this castle and having it feel very spooky if if you get that nice rainy drizzly day Mm. which you know it's so rare in england to get a rainy drizzly day can't imagine what that would even look like once in a blue moon (laughs) throughout the years chillingham castle's long and bloody history includes various border skirmishes between england and scotland Additionally, it was under siege in 1536 when the Percy family of nearby Alnwick Castle attacked with cannon fire during the, quote, pilgrimage of Grace Rebellion against Henry VIII. All of this death and destruction has led the castle to become known for having up to, as we said, 100 ghosts just roaming about the halls. Some of these ghosts, perhaps many of these ghosts, came 
from those who were killed by a man named John Sage. Oh. Oh, get ready. He was nicknamed John Dragfoot, or the Butcher of the Scots. He was said to be a cold-blooded and ruthless torturer and executioner. As a lieutenant, he got badly injured in his leg, and as a result, he wasn't able to fight anymore, and he turned to executioning and torture. Supposedly, he tortured more than 50 people each week what? for a period of three years. What? He probably tortured and killed over a thousand people at the castle itself. And you can still visit the torture chamber today. Oh, goodness. It reminds me of, what's his name? The bad guy in Outlander. George Corwin. Oh, I was... <laughs> It's like George Corwin from our last week's episode. I'm sorry. Very excited. You mean uh, Blackjack Randall? Yes. Yeah. Because he is lackluster and a torturer. Yeah. Shout out to the actor who played that character, though. He had to play like the most loving, sweet husband and the most vile, awful person. Yeah. The actor's name is Tobias Menzies. I think that's how you say his last name. It's certainly how it's spelled, but he's amazing. amazing. He's on the crown. Everything he touches is pure gold. He was in, he's in so many shows. He's so good. And he has such an interesting face. Yes, with his, like, long dimples on the side. Yes. I, fascinating. Okay, anyway, before we <laughs> dive into that rabbit hole, um, let's talk about the ghosts of Chillingham Castle. I will accept 100 and no less. Unfortunately, I don't have that many for you. Um, so the... The Chillingham website itself describes the ghost of the castle as well as the dark history that it possesses. They say, quote, the 12th century stronghold became the fully fortified Chillingham Castle in 1344 and the family bloodline has remained ever since. We have the document giving the royal permissions to add battlements. The castle was much besieged and battled, and the family all went off to those early wars in France, end quote. And in their section called Meet the Ghosts, they have... The White Pantry Ghost. <laughs> in what is called the Inner Pantry, a frail figure in all white still appears. The silver was stored here, and a footman was employed to sleep here and guard it. Historically, one night when the footman had gone to sleep, he was accosted by this lady in white. Very pale, she begged him for water. Thinking it was one of the castle guests, he turned to obey, and suddenly he remembered he was locked in and no visitors could possibly have entered. The same pale figure is seen today and is thought that the longing for water suggests she was killed by poisoning. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. She's kind of the most famous ghost of the castle. She's the white lady, the white pantry ghost, the pale figure. You see it listed a few different ways. I really thought we were going to have a white pantry ghost that was a man. I don't know why, because the white ghost is always a woman. Yeah, yeah. No, this one's – perhaps she was poisoned. Um, I think that's really interesting, the fact that she's constantly begging people for water. Oh, that's so – again, it's those little details that make it spooky. Yes. The next ghost is known as the ghost in the chamber. They say not all the ghosts are those we see. Some are merely felt as impalpable impressions on the air, as the poet Tennyson says. There is this sense of something unseen yet distinctly moving. It can be a chill, dark, creeping sensation, or maybe just an oppressive atmosphere. <laughs> as a ghost, imagine just being an oppressive atmosphere. 
as a person, I feel I have that energy sometimes. No, you don't. <laughs> Welcome all. Get ready to get down and not in the fun way, <laughs> in the sad way. <laughs> get down with your bad self. No, really. Get down Let's with your sad self. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next one are voices in the chapel. In the chapel beside the great hall, the voices of two men are often heard talking. It is never possible to actually follow their words, and they stop talking if anyone makes a serious effort to track them. Ooh. That one I like. I like that it's like you can never really know. Excuse me, sir. I have an audio processing disorder. Could you speak up if you're going to haunt me? Subtitles? (laughs) Can you just make subtitles appear in the air for me, please? It'd be so appreciated. Are you a subtitles with the, the TV show thing? I'm becoming one. I can't hear unless there are subtitles on, which is funny. I don't always read them. When I play video games, I have to have subtitles. Video games, like, the first thing I do is turn subtitles on. TV shows, I'll turn them on if it's one of those, like, whisper shout shows where you just can't gauge what the audio is going to be. But I don't prefer it because I do get so focused on reading it that I don't watch. Yeah, for anyone who also likes the subtitles it just so you know they have studied it sound mixes have got harder to hear the voices in over time Mm -hmm. that is happening it's not Mm -hmm. just you (laughs) thank god okay so the last ghosts we're going to talk about are the ghosts in the courtyard and chillingham castle itself describes them thusly they say when the moonlight casts shadows of the battlements across the worn flagstones it is positively hard not to see the shades and shadows that come to life isn't that beautiful ah i love it it sounds like the intro to a uh, gothic novel it really does so the current owners market the castle as being the most haunted castle in britain it has been investigated on television and other media such as but not limited to, most haunted, I'm famous and frightened, scariest places on earth, mystery hunters, the Parapod, Ghost Hunters International, and Have a Word podcast. Well, it sounds like Willing and Fable also needs to be on that list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As a service to the world. We need to investigate it and then get on that list. Actually, could listeners, could you speak up if you do want us to get our paranormal investigator certification because then we have an excuse yeah that's how we ended up getting the titles i think didn't that like just come from a joke did we do that on our own i don't remember i don't even remember i don't remember if our patrons were a part of that or if we just told them and they were excited it always feels like hanging out with friends so i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i know i know i can't remember what they influence us to do versus like what we want to do and they support us in because there are all of our listeners and patrons are just the best Okay, so now it's my turn to hand the episode over to you, Rowan, for your creative writing. All right, uh, friends, foes, and future potential love interests, uh, it's my turn. Content warning, a little light murder. We bought a castle in the Scottish countryside. It seemed like the right thing to do. Everyone was always talking about passive income, leaving the country while you can, all that. There happened to be this baronial tower house for sale. Cheap. So cheap, we expected the roof to be caving in and the floors to be falling through. It was in 
shockingly good condition for the price. 14 bedrooms, five reception rooms, and a little outbuilding, a cottage really. It would make a perfect bed and breakfast or Airbnb or movie set rental. We really hadn't worked out all the details when we bought it. That was definitely not our wisest plan. (laughs) Not having a plan, I mean. You ought to be able to assume that a place in that much disrepair, with that much history, would have a ghost, for Christ's sakes. It's a bloody castle. See, the thing about having a ghost, a haunting, is that you can charge more. So much more, and upkeep costs so much less. If you have a poltergeist, No one is going to care that you don't have central heating. Suddenly, rickety floors, creaky stairs, faulty wiring, broken windows, rats. They all add ambiance. It's not a health code violation, it's a vibe. But our castle didn't come with a ghost. Not even a shadow or abnormal glow that might appear in images. We called a priest, a psychic. We tried a pay-by-the-minute tarot reader that we video-called in from Seattle. We put Ouija boards in every room like a goddamn phone line, not a peep. We sat on that for a while, trying to figure out what to do next. The place was a money pit, so every second we sat hurt. Physically hurt. We were bleeding money. We needed to open for something, so we tried that app for a while, but we were trying to fit too much of the cost of upkeep into each rental with too little return. We got pretty bad reviews. Our towels didn't match, one woman said. Which we had a good laugh about because, lady, you're lucky a mouse didn't fall out of the ceiling into your bed. Towels didn't match. (laughs) The mouse thing really did happen, by the way. Instant full refund for that family. The dude will never recover. Then, we tried advertising that there was a ghost. And I don't know why this was the moment of truth in advertising morality kicking in for me. I couldn't tell you, but I always felt bad. People would come, maybe scare themselves a little. But when you're prepared for a ghost, the building falling apart is easy to ignore. And when you ignored all that, the place was pretty idyllic. There were twittering birds. And I think someone far off liked to play the bagpipes in the morning. It's not creepy, it's charming. So then, we looked into ways to manufacture some scares. Do you have any idea how much special effects cost? I mean, you do, clearly you do, you have receipts. But who would have thought you'd have to make an entire line on your budget for dry ice? It was too much, and we didn't have it, we we just didn't. So, we did a little DIY, using stuff we already had at home. At first, we were pretty indiscriminate about who we chose. People kept renting the place out, and just based on presumed spookiness, it's easy enough to make it look like someone left your rental, changed their flights, and went on their merry way if you have their iPhone and wallet. Did you know Face ID still works if someone's dead? You can actually get pretty freaky about it, and that cell phone will still open up. The equation is, too much blood, eyes need to be open, hair needs to be right. No eyes and hair? Eh, you can get away with a little blood. I'm sorry. Okay, so anyway. Three rentals and seven bodies in. Not one single ghost. Not a peep, not a flutter, not a boo in the night. 
It was beginning to wear on me. And frankly, there were getting to be too many murders to hide now. You know when you get up there in numbers, you can just sort of sense it. So one night, around midnight, pacing in my completely unhaunted castle, I was thinking to myself, I said, okay, DIY ghost. Not as easy as the horror movies led you to believe. You painted the dungeon. Yes, we had a dungeon. That's where you got all those bodies in the wall pictures. We thought it would help the haunting. Anyway, you painted the dungeon in blood, I said, but still no ghosts. So, what will draw people here that costs you nothing but your own cleverness and a little legwork? And I was really stuck on this haunting angle, you know? This spooky stuff just really lit something up in me. So I made my partner a serial killer. The two of us were the killers, and I mean, technically it was serial, but I wasn't going to advertise that, and I didn't want to get caught participating. Having a hot man's former husband turn out to be a psycho killer, and now you can rent his charming castle in the Scottish Highlands, that's all trauma, capital T, capitalism, baby. He wasn't as focused on the crimes as I was, never liked it. Always avoided getting his hands dirty if he could, so he just didn't pay as much attention. I stopped reminding him to wear gloves, and I took hairs out of his comb. He was the handyman, so I let him break the bodies in, get a little fingerprints in there. I booked time out of town at other rentals when I was actually at home with my husband killing tourists. Nothing like plausible deniability. I just want to say, my plan did work. He was arrested first while I cried for the cameras. Torture dungeon in ancient castle. Are you kidding me? That headline couldn't have been better if I made it up myself. And we didn't torture them, not in the beginning and certainly not in the dungeon. We wanted a ghost in the rooms people could actually book. You've got to kill them where you want them to haunt, right? But, oh, God, those three months before I was caught, I was just raking it in, booked all the time. Camera crews, renters, they started a documentary, I think. Let me tell you, that property is going to be booked 365 now, baby. Multiple recent murders in a castle in Scotland? Yeah. A killer couple? That's next level. They'll print what I said in the paper, and then you can take the paper and frame it in the bathroom or something, a little light reading. I should say something like, there's treasure buried out on those 21 acres. A family fortune. Set it up for the uh, entrepreneurs who buy the place next. Give them a little hunt with their haunt. <laughs> That's a good one. If you give me the electric chair... I'll try to head back to the tower. I owe it to whoever gets the castle to give him a show. Is that enough detail for you, Your Honor? That is so high up there and one of my favorite things you've ever written. Oh, it's so good. There was a few lines that made me laugh out loud, not least of which give them a little hunt with their haunt. Oh, delicious. That was purely for you. <laughs> This story was so good. Like, the idea that they're like, please just be haunted. Please just be haunted. And, like, the the Sweeney Todd of, like, we'll kill them ourselves, make it haunt. Like, oh, just. 
it's so campy fun, like 80s horror movie campy fun. So I actually did base this story on a real place. A real castle or a real castle where people did a, did a little murder? Kilbury Castle is a 500-year-old castle that was for sale in Scotland. Oh, my God. And the <laughs> first article that I found, it was like 650,000 pounds. And then very shortly after that article, another one was posted and it was 885,000 pounds. So the, the press was doing good. Mm -hmm. The way I described it was accurate. There were that many rooms and that many reception areas. There was an outbuilding. It was a Victorian laundry. And it was on 21 acres. I have it linked in our show notes. <laughs> no one has purchased it and committed a bunch of murders. Oh, yet. <laughs> Kaylee was like, oh, yeah, so you're writing a story about people like DIYing a ghost. That's so good. What was your original idea? Do you want to share? Yeah. So the original idea that I told you about was people got a castle and it didn't have a ghost. So they went to Finnegan's Freelance Fiends and they mm -hmm. hired a ghost <laughs> to come and haunt it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, the DIY murder ghost is so good. It's just special effects are too expensive. They are expensive. Just a little, just a little light murder. Listen, light murder. And I imagine them as like a, you know, the property brothers, but instead of brothers as a gay couple, like dudes who love to decorate, like mm -hmm. buying this castle, but they're also kind of sleazebags who are like murder for the vibe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Great job. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. When you said the first story about the pit where you drop guests. Yes. Oh, so good. So thanks for letting me kind of jump in with a story on this one. It was fun. <laughs> yes. It's better than anything I could have come up with. Oh, my God. So much fun. This was fun to collaborate this way on an episode. We've never done that before. Yeah, it was interesting because we did collab, but we also didn't read each other's work in advance. Right. Right. So it, it left the element of surprise. So thanks for technically this closes October, but is spooky season ever really done? Hard to Truly. say. Truly. In our hearts, no. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for writing the story and jo joining me that way in this episode but there is one more thing you must do for me yes. and that is tell me something good yeah so i mean we opened the episode kind of talking about it but my something good has been working on my queen of hearts costume it has been so mm -hmm. fun uh my mom really helped me cuz i i knew i wanted to dye this blood stain on a white corset to look like a heart. And so my mom, who is a professional painter and who mm. writes articles for magazines about what mediums people should be using, I went, oh, I, I know a person. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah. my mom. Mm -hmm. And I just said, hey, what should I use? Uh, and she gave me such good advice and video called with me when I was setting it up. And I got to hang the corset in my shower and work on it. And Everything was just covered in <laughs> paint <laughs> for a little bit. And it was really fun to work on a project that is inherently messy. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, the painting of it was messier and then some of the paint dried down and kind of just disappeared. <laughs> but getting to be loose with it was just so fun. Yeah. And then making the card crown was also 
because it's just repeating kind of the same action over and over again. Mm -hmm. It was really relaxing. I did it at 2 a.m., as you do. So it's just been a really fun time, especially because I often feel like I accidentally put off my costume until the last minute for Halloween. Mm -hmm. And I did not do that. (laughs) I did. I very much did. I'm not really sure. Uh, Hopefully I can get my proud hag costume together in time. Order one of those cool witch hats that you can wear all the time. Those- oh, I did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one I have. Yeah, that's the that part I have. I have got a cape somewhere. I don't have like the, – the, the thing I need to figure out is do I go full like green paint, like alphaba, like witch, silver wig kind of thing? Or do I just like dress myself witchy and like 90s mom in the I kind of imagined like, just- you buying the striped tights. In orange Ooh, or purple good. or green, you know, whatever. That's good. Yeah. I didn't imagine you painting your face, but you do make a point. If you paint your face, though, you have to only paint, like, your face, not your neck. Oh, my neck. God. <laughs> the, the, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. Oh, no. It was, like, so much better. I can't. <laughs> I look better at the whole thing painted. You can also, if you have the witch hat, you can do, like, a little ribbon or garland or flowers or something in the band of it if you make uh-huh. a band that could be really fun that could be really fun now i have to find time to do all of this i don't have time everyone needs to know that tracy is the queen of the classic costume you always do it so even though there's a party excuse you are i mean except for that one time you and your sister were shampoo and conditioner um <laughs> uh, that was incredible we also had a third friend who was soap and used balloons to make the soap bubbles around her and the three of us walked together and we called ourselves the clean team so <laughs> that's really cute <laughs> those are all my mom my mom is like the the most incredible costume like she was refused to pay a ton of money for the crappy costumes that like came in the magazines and she had five kids so she would make, hand make these costumes, and then we would reuse them year to year, like between kids. That's so cute. I've always, for my entire life, picked out costumes based on what I want to wear for the rest of the year. And when I was a kid, that was always princess. So I mm-hmm. would always be a princess and then wear the princess dress to school. <laughs> Amazing. So mine are just always based on like, what of this can I use for everything else? A conditioner mm-hmm. bottle, you know. <laughs> very we were also the same three of us the year before were uh, a box of crayola crayons and we were I red blue and yellow and we had to have <laughs> oh yeah we had the little beanies as the top of the crayons and we had the crayola box that like my left shoulder i was on the left and my left shoulder held one strap and then the person on the right i think was my sister on her right shoulder was the other strap and we had to like walk in unison together <laughs> <laughs> that was just your mom slowing you down yeah yeah <laughs> All right, so tell me something good. My something good is that um, I am going to Italy really soon, and I'm very excited. I actually don't ask me about the agenda or anything. I don't know. I'm letting everyone else in the group plan it, and I'm just showing up. But you did get your international driving permit. Yes, I will be the one doing much of the driving on the trip, which is um, exciting and terrifying. it's scary how easy it is to get a license to drive internationally, and no one checks to see if you know what you're doing. No, I always tell this to people I know when they have to drive internationally is if you can take a slightly longer route to take less crowded roads, it's worth it. And yes. just like commit to 
missing the exit and having to double back and like being slightly slower than you would want to be maybe in the interest of safety. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, all great advice. (laughs) So I'm excited for it. It's gonna be really fun. It's just gonna be a good, exciting trip. I plan to eat so much delicious food. That's really what I'm going for. And then obviously Jamie and I are gonna go try to see uh, Hot David if possible. <gasps> I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. We're attempting. We're attempting. So we're, we'll, if we do get to take pictures of Hot David, you will be getting many pictures. I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna take a picture of myself so you can Photoshop me in. So just put your arm out. Got it. Like as if I'm there for one of them. Aye, aye, Captain. Understand the assignment. Thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you get to see Hot David. That's the dream. I, I want to be like, worst case scenario, I'll... <laughs> Obviously, you can't. Obviously. No, I don't think I can. But worst case scenario, I'm going to walk around asking people their names until I find a David. And then I'll also take a picture with that person. And that will also be Hot David. Like as many Hot Davids as I can find while I'm in Italy. That's the new goal. Please go on the David tour of Italy. I bet you could find so much Statue of David merch too. Oh, everywhere. Yes, absolutely. None is as good as our Vaporwave merch. Oh, right. Plug for us. We have Vaporwave Hot David merch. That's a plug for us. But I will I will go on the David tour of Italy just for you. I'm so excited. Uh, I remember when I went to Italy distinctly thinking how much you would love the food. So I require you to send me just image after image of your plate, like early Instagram style. Oh, you got it, babe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that does it for us today. Yeah. Go team. Thank you all so much for joining us, and remember that stories grow with the telling. So if you like what we do, tell a friend. Or tell a foe. And we'll see you soon, okay? Thank you so much for joining us for the Willing and Fable podcast. This episode was written and produced by Tracy Harrison and Rowan Hall. That's me. Our logo is by Jamie Harrison, and our music is by Taylor Ash. If you ever want to watch or read what we're reading, head over to willingandfable.com for our show notes and custom merch, or find us at Willing and Fable on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok to join the discussion. We hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast using your favorite listening source. And check out Willing and Fable on Patreon, where we have more than a few surprises for you, including custom artwork, stories, and access to our secret Discord channel. And of course, join us next time for another round of original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating. Workers found an oubliette behind the – I was so proud of getting oubliette. Panicked the rest of the sentence. I'm sorry. I thought it was so cute that you spelled out oubliette. I don't know how to say oubliette. It doesn't look like it should be spelled that way. That's so cute. Oh, I just want to squish you. I don't do French. I don't do it. Okay. I just want (laughs) to – Here. You squished me. (laughs) 